You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understated or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r 102.7 fm Welcome, welcome, welcome to Greening the Apocalypse, Triple R's weekly dish up of future anxiety with a bit of a dessert of hope souffle. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Worst intro ever. Um, hopefully there's more, more hope than, you know, main course. Jed McCartney, heard your voice. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> we we are well duo op- operators of the show this evening. I'm Adam Grubb. Well, tonight we are joined by two people, both uh, involved in similar and related activities. We have Mark Tyler, organizer at Earthworker, which is a worker co-op based in the Latrobe Valley, and Alec is a worker owner at Red Gum Cleaning Co-op. So, where do you want? Where do you guys want to start? Because um, this, these are interesting projects which are multifaceted and contextually uh, rich. What we're talking about is, I mean, so we we live ostensibly in a democracy, but you go to work and there's a boss and there's a pretty strict hierarchy, and uh, there's probably pros and cons to that, but there's definitely. A, good deal of cons and um we could start with the project you're involved with mark which sure. is based but, out of the latrobe valley yeah sure so i'll just to give a bit of context um so earth worker is it's a network mm-hmm. of worker-owned cooperatives um in sustainable industries mm-hmm. so uh if you think of a forest then the trees are the worker-owned cooperatives and earth worker is the forest so mm-hmm. um there we also we have a focus. How many trees are there in the forest? <laughs> Depends. There's some saplings and there's some bigger ones as well. But uh-huh. you're um, not going to get lost in there just yet. <laughs> not yet. Okay. <laughs> you should be right. Um, so, it, but the soil's rich, uh-huh. really rich. So um, we've got currently. Um, so red gum is one worker-owned mm-hmm. co-op, which um, Ella is is part of. We also have another co-op called, confusingly, Earthworker Energy, which is actually uh-huh. the factory that um, manufactures solar hot water systems down yeah. in the Latrobe Valley in Morwell. Um, there's emerging co-ops in hemp, um, also in uh, like service co-ops, like maintenance and that kind of thing too. So there's a number of different co-ops that are emerging as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we've got to focus on fossil fuel dependent areas as well. So we've got worker-owned co-ops that are emerging in lots of different places, mo- all in Victoria currently, although we've had some interest in interstate recently. But one of the main things we're looking at as well is how to help transition fossil fuel dependent areas, people who work in the fossil fuel industry away from that um, mm. and providing practical solutions for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... So, yeah, Latrobe Valley, it's, it's where I grew up and um, it's, it's a place where, you know, especially since the 90s and the waves of 
um, you know, selling off the power stations, then there's been a lot of unemployment, yeah, a lot of houses on the market. Um, it, the the social welfare statistics are, are pretty grim. Yep. Um, yeah. And it it's always had a strong working class unionist kind of culture, um, but it seems like there's a meeting between. Like where, where did the impulse? Because you're your city based. How yeah. how how's this city country? Yeah, um, I mean, connection happen. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, Earthworker bridges a number of divides, and mm-hmm. one of them is the city and regional areas. So um, you know, people there's people involved with Earthworker that um, yeah grew up in the Latrobe Valley, and there's people like myself who grew up in the city in the suburbs. You know, um, where that. Uh, the focus on Latrobe Valley is obviously because Latrobe Valley has traditionally um, been uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of employment in the power industry, you know, providing um, electricity through uh, coal-fired power stations. And um, for a long time, folks who both live in Latrobe Valley and also people who, who are aware of these things from the city have acknowledged that um, we need to transition from those industries, but also to just shut them down would decimate those areas. Um, obviously that's happening anyway, you know, like we've seen with shutdown at Hazelwood that it has happened recently, which was decided by a French corporation and they just made that call and everyone gets affected, but, um, you know, they don't get consulted or they don't have any decision-making power. Mm. So A yeah. lot of people celebrated, of course, because it was the most polluting power station in the Western world, I yeah. think. Yeah, and that's the contradiction. I mean, yeah. you know, like obviously... These industries, they, they, we need to shift, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, people who are living in those areas, they need to have a way out, and they also need to, I guess, you know, one thing. There's a lot of talk of just transitions these days, which is basically what we're talking about now, which is mm-hmm. how to actually transition into a sustainable economy without leaving people behind in those communities that depend on it. Um, the problem is that that area, and you'd probably you know this better than me, Grubby, is that. Um, those areas have been um, screwed over so many times by people, by outsiders, that if you come in there talking about just just transitions, it's hard for people to trust you, you know, and actually believe that there's going to be something there. So mm. one of the purposes of Earthworker is to build up alternatives that people can touch and see and they can trust mm. and then they can say, okay, we actually, there is other jobs. So in Morwell we have a factory down there that's manufacturing solar hot water systems. Um, it's a worker-owned cooperative, mm-hmm. which we can talk about that, the economic democracy side. But one important element of Earthworker is it's a, it's, um, it's a strategy to try and build trust across these divides, a trust across the city and regional areas mm-hmm. that, um, you know, people aren't just coming and pissing in their pockets about, oh, yeah, we're going to have all the green jobs any moment now, you know. Like it's actually building up. People can come to the factory. They can look at it. They can go, oh, yeah, you're actually doing this. Mm-hmm. This is skilled, dignified work. Uh, it's reliable work. It's work that won't be offshored because we own it, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, yeah, it's something they can rely on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really interesting point because, yeah. Keeping whatever you create could easily disappear, and I hadn't thought about that angle of the yeah. owner perspective. That's one of the transitions. Earthworker has been around for a couple of decades. I'm just banging on here. I don't know if that's if that's useful. Or not. I didn't realise it was that old. It's no, been around tell. for a couple of decades, mm. and there's been a few different manifestations of it. Yeah. So it's always been about bridging the divide between um, uh, workers and environmentalists. So, yeah. sorry, how does Earthworker work in terms of? It's organisational mm. structure or because obviously the, you have some resources that that help people form the co-op and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So so how does it work? Is, is it a 
co-op in itself? Yep. Or? So Earthworker is a co-op, um, and um, but it's not a worker-owned co-op. It's not a producer co-op. So Earthworker is you can think of it like as a like an incubator or a facilitator of worker-owned co-ops. So we support worker-owned co-ops with um, with financing, um, with training and education, uh, with marketing, research and development. That's the kind of some of some of the things, the roles that we're playing. Um, but yeah, as far as Earthworker, the project goes it 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 only started getting involved in co-ops i think maybe seven or eight years ago mm. and that was we learnt from well I, I wasn't around then but folks who were around then learnt from experiences of um basically really good initiatives happening and then because people because they were they weren't controlled by i'll give you a specific example this is a little history kind of thing so do you, do you know bluey boat bluey boots and coats you know the bluey yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so Bluey, I don't know how familiar people are, but Bluey was going out of business back in the 80s. I might have this decade wrong, so apologies if it is, but sometime around then. (laughs) And it's an Australian icon of a jacket, so to offshore it would just be humiliating. So it was shutting down, and what happened is that the trade union movement um, didn't want to see another good quality textile manufacturing um, company go bust, and so the trade union movement got behind Bluey Bluey's uh, boots and coats and made it, um, they agitated to make sure that protective um, workwear had to be bluey. So if you had a coat on okay. and you're working on the rail, it had to be bluey, yeah, right? Yeah. So the employees bought that. So that then they used their collective weight um, industrially to actually build up demand for this um, failing Australian company. Now, what happened then is Bluey um, you know they, they they were strong again. I've got a, I actually got a coat that has union made in Australia, which uh-huh. was from that era. I found it a, a market, but then it got offshored. Uh-huh. So Bluey did get offshored. Now and so what they learned from that was, yeah, we can use our collective industrial weight to build up demand, but if we don't control it, then yeah. it just gets offshored, right? Uh-huh. And so and the, all the same stuff happens. So they learned from that, and they looked at co-ops as a way of still maintaining control um, of the things that we create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, is it a good time? And Ali, you might want to speak to this. We can talk about the gist of your project in a minute. But um, well, no, let's start there. So, so tell us about Red Gum, and then we'll talk about what it's like to work. What is co-op even is? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I'm a, mem- a worker member of Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative, yeah. uh, and we have been running since February. Mm-hmm. And basically, we provide green cleaning services to homes and offices uh, around Melbourne, mm-hmm. and we're one of Earthworkers co-ops. Yep. So, um, some of our members sort of came to Red Gum through Earthworker, and um, yeah, so there's five of us, and yeah, we each own um, a share, equal share in the business. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, decisions are made democratically and, yeah. yeah. And so that doesn't mean it's non-profit, right? It just means you, it's, you mm. share the profit so it's not going to... Exactly, yeah. Mm. So we, we, we're not... We're a bit different from a social enterprise, mm. yeah, um, uh, in that, yes, we can earn a profit, but um, because we um, each have a vote and we have no bosses, we can decide, you know, say at the end of the year if we are lucky enough to have a surplus, we uh, prefer the, the term, then, uh, we, you know, we might be able to pay ourselves a bonus um, yeah. or we might decide we need to reinvest it back in the business because it is still the first year of running and, um, and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so the structure of the business is just similar to any other business. You've just, you know, you've got an ABN and you've got, yep. you know, all the, yeah. the stuff that goes with it. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much like running a business, except uh, decisions are, are made generally on consensus decision making processes. And oh no, uh, making yeah. me worry. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've had experience with that. <laughs> so, all right, let's get in. Let's get into the um, the yeah the meat of what it's like to work in one. So, obviously, um, in a in any business, you need roles. You can't just all just do exactly the same mm. thing. Someone has to answer phones, and somebody has mm. to do the accounting. And then there's going to be situations where um, a, si- a decision comes up which is going to be big enough you'll need to consult each other. Mm. And so probably on the scale of five people you can work through that relatively mm. easy. Tell me how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and we're still working through it ourselves. It's yeah. only been five months now. But um, we do use like an online platform for communicating and decision-making uh-huh. as well. And we meet... Um, is, we- that, is that an app? Uh, no, we, we we use Podio, which is sort of a, yeah. m- a mix of um, uh-huh. sort of business um, client management as well as we can make decisions. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, we meet we, we meet weekly um, to discuss things and do work together. We find that working together is you know um, yeah because because we don't have an office yet at this stage, we just sort of run out of our cars. But the mm-hmm. plan uh, will be to get an office. But mm. yeah, in terms of um, how it works, is yeah we generally share the roles. We have roles um, dedicated like answering the phone and clients and payroll and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing about a co-op is that, yeah, um, there is a lot of opportunity for training and we're sharing the roles. So, like, one of us might learn how to do one thing and then we'll train up the next person in the next month and share that role around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, once the co-op gets bigger, um, there will be, you know, have to work through um, how decisions are made. Uh, I think technology will definitely play a role in that. As mm. as there's more workers, we won't be able to meet as regularly. Um, but at the moment, having the the face to face meetings is um, yeah been really important. Mm. How big is the biggest co op in Earth worker mark? Redgum is currently the biggest Earth worker co op. So yeah, I mean, as far as the the work around co ops, it's still they're still emerging. So the one down in um, the Latrobe Valley in Morwell, like we're only having our um, official launch of that next Thursday. So we've started producing the solar water systems, but yep. the big launch isn't happening till next Thursday. So as far as the worker owner co-ops goes, mm. um, yeah, Redgum's one of the first ones. And so there's just a handful of people in the in the solar hot yeah, water. That's right. yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And from conversations down in the factory, um, people like there's a com- number of different models that you can have for a worker owner co-op. Like, yeah, what Elle's describing is a fairly flat structure. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like that. People can also democratically vote in management, yep. you know, and then – but the point is those managers are always recallable mm-hmm. to the whole um, workplace basically. Yep. So they're democratically elected and then they're recallable as well. So there's different structures depending on the size. Um, mm-hmm. Generally when, you know, from conversations in the factory – um, smaller size, people are still talking on, uh, along a flat structure, but that's still there. Yeah, people are still working so that out. Would, would you get to a point where you said, let's say there are another bunch of people who wanted to start a cleaning business, would, would you get to the point where you said, no, don't go to this one, create another one, or, or would you just try and work through so you created that structure you just described? Um, well, I mean, Redgum Red would make that call. I mean, okay. Earthworker learning from previous experience because Australia is not the only place where like, this has happened. There's mm. networks, large networks with thousands and tens of thousands of worker owners overseas, like, for example, Mondragon in Basque Country of Spain. Um, 
they the the lessons we've learned from them is that around 40 people is probably about the limit of mm-hmm. what you can have to make it make sure it's still democratic and then you're looking at replicating so mm-hmm. that that's yep. just mm-hmm. that's just a bit of a rule of thumb i mean obviously yeah red gum and the worker and his they would make a call around size mm. yeah mm. i think it's a long way off but we definitely want to be employing more people that's mm. sort of the main aim of of the cooperative I, yeah. yeah it's an interesting concept i remember um I ran my own business for a while and one of the first questions we were asked was, what's your exit strategy? And um, we hadn't even thought about that because we're like, we're just starting. (laughs) We're not thinking about exiting this, you know, that's a long way off. But it's actually quite a valid question and, you know, because you don't want that surprise. Mm. um, Not about exiting, but, you know, like when you get to that, uh, whatever the scalable size is. This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. You are on Greening the Apocalypse on 3RRR and we are talking workplace democracy and just making it happen from the ground up with Mark Tyler of Earthworker Co-op and Al Ryan of Red Gum Cleaning Co-op. So let's. So we, you talked a little bit about the early days um, of being in... In red gum, and uh, so you mentioned that you use uh, consensus decision making, which I think means that uh, when a when a difficult decision comes through, everybody has to agree to a change if something's going to change. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I guess it's just about making sure that everyone's voice is heard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, there's going to be compromises and and coming to a, a mutually agreed point yeah, um, yeah. and yeah sometimes you know the challenges are that it can take a lot slower than a normal business um, mm-hmm. in terms of, of just making decisions um, but we feel so we've been even though we only launched in February we've actually been working on this project for two and a half years mm. uh, building it up um, mm. and writing our, our constitution our model rules which is a requi- legal requirement to register a cooperative yep so, and a co-op yeah. is a legal entity. It is. And yeah. we actually, we were lucky enough to have some pro bono uh, work from some lawyers in Canberra that helped us develop uh-huh. our constitution. And so also, it's not just yeah. off the shelf. Well, it's actually off the Earthworker shelf. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the benefit of being a, a co-op under Earthworker is that um, we were able to use their constitution and just mm-hmm. adapt it. Yep. And then we also had the, the lawyers come in and um, make some tweaks with mm-hmm. that as well. So without... Earthworker, we would have been completely like feeling around in the dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the and the people involved in the Earthworker Energy Co-op, which is the one which is in Morwell building mm. solar hot water services, they're ex um, employees from the power stations. Yeah. So some people involved in Earthworker Energy are ex uh, ex power station workers. Yep. Um, and yeah, certainly one of the the main purposes for us building up the co-op there is to. Um, assist people who are leaving that industry, mm-hmm. um, but not solely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So what I was interested in. So they're making a transition. I mm-hmm. presume you've also worked in hierarchical workplaces as well, Ella. But like, how how are they finding the the transition to working in one where all responsibility ultimately falls back on you, or at least is shared? But yep. you can't defer to your boss and blame. Yeah, him. for sure. My, I mean, my experience um, on factory floor workplace democracy where I I did some work um, doing training education um, for people who were looking to become um, worker owners and 
I mean, people talk to it really quick, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like, I was really surprised how quickly people started yeah. just taking ownership over yeah. the whole process. So I thought it was going to be doing training education stuff ar- around it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a background in adult education. I thought that it would take a lot more work. But people, yeah, people were relieved. I remember one person saying to me, um, I'm getting ideas now for how to change things for the better, where before I didn't even get those ideas, right? Uh-huh. Because because she felt she knew she wouldn't be listened to. Yeah, so yeah. it's quite profound. Like if you actually listen to that, like that means that prior, when there was that hierarchical structure, she was um, pre-consciously repressing ideas for how to improve the workplace because she assumed she wouldn't be listened to. Yeah. And then once that was removed all these ideas started flowing up. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like it's quite yeah. prevent- So to her, it was like before, while the hierarchy was there, she could actually say to herself, honestly, um, I don't have any ideas mm-hmm. for how to, how to make this place yeah. better. Or maybe I'm a bit dumb, whatever. I just do my job, right? But it's like, so when, when the structure changes, the consciousness mm-hmm. changes. Like it's quite yeah. a quite remarkable kind of process. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's trade-offs there between, um, you know, the, what I mean, I don't know if the military is. You could talk to this Jed. Um, Jed's your, your is former Air Force, mm. and how I, I think of that um, in my mind as being very command and control. But if you're in a, if you're trained for a warlike situation, presumably you have to have a certain amount of autonomy as well. Yeah, I guess um, it's very situational. So, yeah. and my experience in the Air Force was dealing with very, very smart people who were, you know, aircraft technicians. Mm. Um, so you, you really can't treat them in a hierarchical way because they... they <laughs> okay, it's like I, the computer nerds in a, yeah. in, a, in a corporation. They just got... They got their table tennis set up and they just do what they need to... Yep. What they um, want to do. They got, the, yeah. These are smart people and yeah. if you try and tell them just to do something because... Mm. I want you to just do it. They're, yeah. they're just not going to react well to that. Uh-huh. They might do it because of the the military um, mindset. Or, mindset, yeah. but they won't be happy about it and uh-huh. they won't want to do it again type thing. So, yeah. you know, if you want to extract the best, you've got to um, do that. And it's interesting that that was something we sort of, um, I won't say experimented with, but we did was push that um, decision-making ability back down and into a, the, the worker almost a co-op you know it was a work group oh, in practice and, okay yeah and and yeah. It, it took a while for them to um so get their head around that but when they did it, it worked really well huh, interesting yeah. and it, it that's quite different though to you you know what probably most people have the idea of a military where you're saying to someone you know jump out of a foxhole and run towards a bullet well there can't be any debate in that mm. that has to be instinctive that when they're told to do it, they do it. Right. <laughs> yep. Um, well, interestingly, uh, on that note, on uh, aircraft mechanics, and, and you, you might think that the idea of worker co-ops wouldn't scale up and maybe there are some trade-offs occasionally with, you know, democracy taking time, but it's definitely been proved um, that uh, in the case that you mentioned earlier in Mondragon, in the Basque area of Spain, that this stuff really scales up, and mm. and there are aircrafts being built, if I'm not mistaken, mm. in worker cooperatives. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mondragon? Yeah, so Mondragon is a network of worker-owned cooperatives, so very similar to Earthworker. So you think about Mondragon as the forest, and then there's many trees. So there's eighty thousand. Last check, I think it might be more now. That was a little while ago that stat, but eighty thousand worker owners within that network. So it's quite large, That's huge, huge. 
Um, and they've got everything from manufacturing cops, rent aircraft, like you're mentioning, Adam. Um, they've got uh, worker-owned universities, worker-owned banks, um, which finance the worker-owned cooperatives. Um, and they're super resilient. I mean, through the global financial crisis, um, they, they just came out of that so well, you know. And, I mean, there's there's debate about... So that some people talk about how there was no job loss out of that. People will move sideways to either worker-owned co-ops mm-hmm. if co-ops shut down. Some people debate that, that maybe there was a bit and it's not yeah. reported, but, you know, so they're not perfect. But um, as far as a model for broad-based workplace democracy, which is um, which is on a big scale, um, is certainly one of the inspirations that we look to. And that, that was started back um, by a priest. I don't know if I can pronounce his name. Don't look at me. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Arismendi Endiatis. Uh, someone who's listening now is just going to be murdering that man, <laughs> so I'll just stop now. But he's, he, he, was one, he was a Catholic priest and he started that up. Um, uh, he, he was uh, under Franco. He was pushed off to the Basque country, started that up. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, that, that's emerged over, over decades. Um, but they've, they've got a really strong emphasis on um, we're not just trying to create economic outputs, which we're, the perp- whole purpose of this thing is um, how we relate to each other as humans. That's the purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and that was mm-hmm. always really central to the co-op. So mm-hmm. some of their principles were that it's not just, I mean, yes, we need an economic foundation but how do we how are we relating to each other that's what's important so, you, so you get away from that sort of commercial imperative to um produce a, a result for the shareholder mm. you know like mm. most corporations that's their bottom line is we're here to produce a, yeah. um mm. you know yeah a dividend for the shareholders yeah I, I kind of wanted to add as well to what mark said about that yeah with the worker co-ops you know because they aren't owned and controlled by shareholders decisions there are no external shareholders mm. the workers have the vote so yeah um that makes the decision so much closer to the people doing the work um, mm. and that's yeah one of the key key mm. aspects of cooperatives so what are some of the other things mondragon get up to I'm pre- Everything. I, I, it's been a while since I looked into it, but I seem to remember like uh, one of the big supermarkets. The oh, second yeah, biggest yeah, so they've got retail working yeah. co-ops. Yeah, mm. so supermarkets, yeah, like I said, universities and banks. Um, I don't know, all sorts of manufacturing, yeah. agricultural co-ops. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's it's huge what they're doing. I mean, it, their entire region is, is built around it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's what we look to. But, I mean, you know, we're in a different context here. So, like, yeah. we're not going to be able to replicate that exactly and we're not trying to. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that we're looking at is what does that look like in an Australian context? What strengths do we have here? What don't mm-hmm. we have um, that the Basque country does? In a strange um, way, the fact that they were a kind of, um, I, th- I think within Spain, like economically stressed part of it, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, you know, Australians are... So affluent, the Latrobe Valley. Where you are, yeah. Depends where you are. Yeah, mm. yes. Yeah. And Latrobe Valley has a long history of co-ops as well. Like yeah. Bank Australia, the co-op bank came from Latrobe mm. Valley. Oh yeah. yeah, I used to be part of the SEC Credit Union. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so you know, there's that history there. But I mean, one of the things that we look to, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about it, but in the Australian context that we have is um, we look at the trade union movement, which is Earthworker emerged out of that as well, and looking at how how do we use the that as a strength you know like we mm-hmm. that's a resource we have and like i talked about the bluey boots and coats campaign it's possible that when workers organize together we can change the economy and you are listening to greening the apocalypse on 3 triple r
We are talking tonight with Ella Ryan of Red Gum Cleaning Co-op and Mark Tyler of Earthworker Co-op about all things uh, worker-owned and worker-controlled in the economy. And we've been talking about their respective projects. Uh, Earthworker, which is a network of cooperatives, including the solar hot water service producing Morwell in the Latrobe Valley-based Earthworker Energy, and Ella's here representing Red Gum Cleaning Co-op. Now... There's, you said there's um, charters, and you also said that you have a there's a sustainability element to all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? So besides being worker owned, what keeps you honest or on the right track, or you know, with these, um, what are, what are your ethics and how do you keep them at the forefront? Yeah, um, yeah. So we have a core set of values. Um, it's yeah, it's about um, democratic. Um, decision making participation mm-hmm. is one of them um, another is 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 the uh, sustainability aspect so yeah we use all um, natural ingredients to um, clean homes using natural disinfectants like mm-hmm. eucalyptus oil uh, because um, yeah for various environmental and health reasons yeah yeah uh, so for that's an important aspect and your um, yep. yeah and we also have the uh, value about of, of training and education um, which we share with Earthworker and mm-hmm. skilling up and making sure we're always learning and helping each other mm. um, in, in that respect. So yeah, they're sort of our, our core our core values, and mm. we come we, we come together on on those values. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, I think the, those two aspects they're, they're they are distinct and related. Like with with Earthworker as as a project, it's always been that yeah, it's about economic democracy. It's about um, people having control of the places where we live and work, which is so rare these days. Mm. It's full on, like how rare that is, you know, mm. like it's so normalised. Um, mm. But um, so, yeah, people having control of the places we live and work, but also it's it's acknowledging that um, we are in climate crisis and that and that and we need to address that. So um, so there is this sustainability element is, is central too um, with, with all, all of the co-ops that, yep. we're, that we're building up. And Mondragon, which is you know the example that you've mm-hmm. spoken about in Basque Country, Spain, which which does banks, it does universities, it does massive retail um, stores, and it makes aeroplanes. Oh, that's pretty impressive. You're really into the aeroplanes. Really, how? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they also have ethical charters, right? As well as being worker owned, and it's kind of you you would think just off the bat that surely just pure. Um, Vampiric capitalism would beat it, but it it's it's holding its own. Yes, yeah, sure, sure is. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that that's the one thing we learned from it. And you know, people who have done research around worker-owned co-ops, um, uh, worker-owned co-ops that are by themselves mm. alone, don't um, they can do fine. They do better than traditional businesses like co-ops. Mm. I think it, yeah, about. Much more, many more survive than traditional startup businesses. I think it's fifty percent yeah. of worker co-ops um, survive through their first year, but traditional small businesses is a much higher failure rate. Yeah, yeah. but when you've got um, a, a, a whole network, so you, yeah. you're getting that economy of scale through cooperation between co-ops, then you start getting real strength. And uh-huh. Mondragon is, is an example of that, and that's what we're learning from. So because they trade cheaply with each other. Yeah, and also you learn from each other, uh-huh. you know. Like, I mean, with the example of Redgum um, taking some of the model rules from from Earthworker in the Constitution, now Redgum has can teach 
other worker owners that come along around how to start up co-ops. You know, you just yeah. got that way of kind of... It just and, and what you're saying at the GFC where they can move people across, mm. you know, so if you know, for whatever reason there's a downturn in aviation, um, mm. they can move some of those workers from mm. that co-op into it to the sister-brother co-op. Yeah, like that's it. Yeah. So how much, how much... I'm trying to figure out what the success of that is based on and which must be very, you know, interesting to your own perspectives as reasonably early projects. And how much of it is just the fact that workers actually care about it because they own it and they're not just on Facebook five hours of their eight-hour day or whatever else people <laughs> do when they don't care about their job. Sometimes active sabotage. <laughs> you probably get very little active sabotage. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, without a doubt, I think it's, um, yeah, we're, we're in it together and we are doing a lot of unpaid work mm. uh, as any small business. Um, but I guess it's, yeah, we're, we're working f- towards something bigger and we want to provide meaningful employment for others, um, particularly like cleaners, maybe migrants who have just had really shitty cleaning subcontracting job and being like just had like this massive wage theft in the cleaning industry, particularly in Melbourne. So, mm. you know, we want to, you know, we're driven by that need to, to create more dignified jobs. Yeah. And um, how yeah. do you sort that stuff out, like pay? You know, we're, we're talking a little bit off air about how there's some specialists and you, you said it yourself, you know, that mm. some of you were well-trained um, mm. and then the others that are not, do, do you have that discussion do you have like a a a pay structure and you know depending on skills or yeah like it's all up to the to the cooperative and how they and how they decide to structure it we're we're all now at the same level but and we're all we all chose to pay ourselves at the same level at the Mm -hmm. moment because now we're all doing um we're all doing work where we're doing a lot of admin work um but we pay we just chose to pay ourselves above the award cleaning wage because we believe that's the the minimum award is uh, is not actually a livable wage so and we've factored that into our pricing and it means that we can feel a bit more secure um with that work and yeah Mm -hmm. it's just a bit but but in saying that once we get bigger um there can definitely be structures but you you often co-ops will write into their model rules that um you know as someone a manager might can only earn like uh, three times as much as the bottom person. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah. laughing because I saw a table the other day with some of these corporations where, uh, uh, you know, the CEO is earning thousands yes, of times. Yes, I saw that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's definitely will be, um, I, th- I think not, it might not even be. Not structure. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not Alex. I mean, for Earthwork, I yeah. think it's a three to one um, mm. ratio yeah. is mm. for, currently for, for our yeah. For our co-ops, so mm-hmm. anyone in the network can't have a more than the highest paid can't be more than three times the lowest paid. And yeah. Mondragon at six to one, mm. so yep. yeah, it's a common thing with worker-owned co-ops that there's more pay parity. Yeah, 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 and the aviation thing made me think about that because there's obviously some very highly skilled um, workers in in mm. that mm. sector and others that are not so. Yeah, mm. yeah, and so you want to account for the fact of the you know the, the work that's gone into the education and not yeah, have complete yeah. parity necessarily, and, and you want to attract those people to join the co-op. The, mm. the people, yeah, with that's those one. Skills, of, it's one so. of the things. Yeah, of yeah. that's Mondragon recently bumped it up a bit from I think it was a lower ratio, but they bumped it up to get to attract some people. But I mean, we haven't had any trouble attracting people because and people do care about the project. Mm. You know, I mean, it brings together people from lots of different places. You know, we've mm. got. You know, everyone from small manufacturers to, um, 
you know, farmers to, I don't know, faith groups, everything, you know, left wing, right wing, chicken wing, it's all, it's all there. So These um, are projects happening on the fringes of earthwork Yeah, at the so there's the, hemp, there's the hemp project yep. which is coming up um, and they're, and looking, they're doing feasibility so studies. So that's looking growing at... Growing it for fibre? Yep, fibre but also textiles, also mm-hmm. um, possibilities around medicinal and food too. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, initially fibre for building. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we've got the maintenance co-op and building co-ops as well that are emerging. So, yeah, there's there's lots of different pots on the boil and people working away on different things. And, yeah, I mean, anyone who wants to get involved, we're very open. Anyone who, yeah, just become a member, like you can go on the website and become a member. It's really very simple. Um, and, yeah, like I don't know, anyone who's come into Earthworker has always said, commented that we are really open and um if you've got an idea, like you can come and make it happen. You know, that we're very, yeah, people are very much into, especially if you, I don't know, we just do things. That's the, that's the emphasis. Uh-huh. <laughs> we kind of, we have this principle of show, show me, don't tell me because um, uh-huh. we need so much of that at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who just don't, uh, I, I think there's a lot of distrust in our own ability to actually change society. And I think we need to be showing each other that we can to actually build that trust. So we have an emphasis on that anyway. So yeah, I feel that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. there's that despair, you know, like and you need to shake up that despair somehow. And I yeah. think we need that to do that. And we need to have examples, but yeah, anyway, become a member. It's mm-hmm. very simple and get involved if what, you're interested. What's it mean becoming a member? You become a member of Earthworker. So mm-hmm. that's like, I mean, one way of looking at it is the umbrella cop. I don't, really like that metaphor but like yeah basically the the facilitator co-op anyone can become a member of that mm-hmm. obviously you can't become a member of red gum unless you're a worker in red gum but mm-hmm. earth worker is like a, we interface with the community so yep. you can become a member of earth worker then you get to have a say basically in what earth worker does what we focus on um and also yeah you can get involved and help you can join the hemp kind of co-op you can become part of that conversation or you can start up other co-ops as well um, or you can just help in facilitating the co-ops like myself. Like I'm, mostly, I'm just helping organise to, to make sure that those co-ops are strong. There are many ways which people might want to talk to you. It might be that they'd like to buy a solar hot water service. Mm-hmm. It might be that they would like an ethical green cleaner. It might be that they have an idea of starting a business in a cooperative format that they want to bring to you. Yes. How do they get in contact about all these things? Go, Ella. Ah, well, if yeah, if you're interested in um, if uh, if you're interested in having a, a clean or trialing us, then we yeah we service um, northern suburbs and also inner west. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, you can just Google Red Gum Cleaning Cooperative or go to redgumcleaning.coop. .coop. Oh, there can, is a domain yes, extension. Yes, yes. Um, it's a cooperatively owned domain, um, and yes, you can make a booking inquiry online. And we'll get in touch. And if you're also interested in maybe joining us as a worker member or just, yeah, getting in touch with us, if you're really interested in the project, we will in the future be looking for uh, new worker owners. So Mm -hmm. um, you can get in touch via our website as well. Awesome. And for Earthworker Energy, which is the factory down in Morwell and the solar hot water systems, if Mm you probably the simplest way is just to go to the Earthworker website. So just Google Earthworker Cooperative and um, there's an expression of interest form there. You can for for a solar hot water system. So you just go there. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there's... On, on that website, you can sign up to our newsletter. You can also get involved, become a member. But, yeah, so just go to the website. We're also on Facebook too. 
But, um, yeah, there's so many different ways that you can be involved from just be, being a member and um, getting behind it materially, which is awesome, mm-hmm. um, all the way to, yeah, becoming a worker owner or becoming an organiser and helping actually make it happen. So, yeah, yeah. Mm, and just to uh, say as well, yeah, like you said, Adam, about if you have your own idea for a, a business even, but you're, it's just you on your own and you'd, you'd like to do it with someone else. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people approach me in the last six months saying, oh, I want to do an urban farming co-op or I want to do a, you know, gardening co-op or, you know, graphic design. It's just mm-hmm. if you come through Earthworker, there's a lot of other people who are thinking the same thing so we can connect people up. So, yeah, um, yeah. Just with charters be, and resources yeah. too by the sound of it. So yeah. you're not just... Yeah, definitely. Flying solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both so much for your time. It has been fascinating and also um, genuinely inspiring that uh, I feel yeah. a little ashamed of my own non cooperative business. Yes. Get right the now. aircrafts cold <laughs> going at them. Yeah, yeah. 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 do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.